And welcome everyone. We have officially restarted our weekly Genuine Men's Zoom Lives today. Genuine Men is a movement consistent of a show, podcast, workshops, and weekly Zoom Lives that often express the unheard honest views of men from various backgrounds, cultures, religions, and life experiences. It's also a rare opportunity for men to have a platform to express their views, thoughts, perspectives, and obstacles in life with other men on topics that impact them, their families, their communities and societies as a whole. It's an unfiltered and unadulterated look at what life is like from a man's perspective. Hi, I'm Reham. I'm the host of the Genuine Men's Chat uh, weekly Zoom Lives, and I'm a Genuine Men's Coach. Welcome, uh, Tobias, to our weekly Zoom Live again. We love yeah. having you back. <laughs> and and um, our topic, might I add, today is Path to Passion, Reclaiming Your Power. It's super exciting to talk about this topic today. Um, why don't I do a quick uh, overview of your bio for anybody that hasn't had a chance to hear you before. And let's go from there. Nice. Awesome. Okay, so um, as a spiritual, a spiritually awoken high achiever, uh, to say the least, I must say, Tobias is um, a spiritually awoken high, um, high achiever and inspires others to do the same in their lives, to live a life of meaning and purpose. With values of growth and belonging, he's devoted to fostering deep connection. He is also an author with a book that's coming out in 2021, so look out for that, Five Dimensions of Deep Connections. We're so excited. And at Superhumans, he works on blurring the lines between business and spirituality. He nur nurtures a community uniting positive people who are curious to explore deep into the human experience and impact and the impact that they can create in the world. Welcome to us. Lovely nice to be here, Reham. Thank you for the invitation. No worries. No worries. So tell me a little bit more about this concept of passion and power and what and how do they connect? I mean, it's quite interesting because I'm German. So in German, like passion is Leidenschaft, which basically like light is suffering and in Schaft is to create something. And I mean, in that perspective, I think it's really illuminating to look at different languages because also when we look at, at latin um, passion is actually it means it can mean suffering so what i really find that has like two aspects to it on the one hand it can be like really like passion being this like follow your passion and this aspect of, yeah it's awesome go for it but then also on the other hand it's actually what are the things that you would really suffer for and you would still do and so when I look at, at passion and, and relationships in so many ways. I find that, yeah, I mean, relationships, they, they are inherently exciting, but they also inherently bring suffering with them. And so when I, I think about passion, it's especially in relationships, we just basically you're putting yourself in the fire to basically burn away everything that is not really you and leaving ultimately just what it is that is you. So while, so I, I have had one marriage that has 
like fallen apart and a few relationships before. And I, what I definitely noticed is that every relationship I feel has brought me closer to uh, who I truly am. But it always has come with significant pain in a way where on the one hand, I mean, being in a passionate relationship in the beginning, it's always like so exciting. It's kind of like everything seems like tingly and kind of growing. But then at some point, there, there is this, wow, actually to go deeper, to connect more, I need to be willing to be more open. I need to be willing to become more intimate, which I feel this is really where, where suffering can start because if I'm not willing to actually go deeper or if I am not showing the courage to express the needs and the desires that I have, then I won't say it. I might sort of like think, oh, my partner shall reach my mind. And then this breeds resentment. And that's then where, in my experience, really the suffering started, where I thought I wanted certain things, but instead of actually having courage and saying, hey, those are the things that I desire, I held back. And I held back because I was afraid that I would be rejected for having these wants and these desires. And this is really where the connection to power is for me. Because the moment I'm actually not saying what I want and taking this desire and pushing it to the side, this is where I'm disconnecting from power in a way. Because now what I also see in building a company or raising children in the end, when, when I look at my kids particularly, you know, they're just these machines of desire. They, they know what they want and they will go get it, you know? And they, they either like sometimes they ask for it or other times it's like, okay, I, I want this and how do I get it? And I feel that basically as adults, you know, we are kind of like trained to disconnect from these ones because at some point we got reprimanded and basically suffered for having these desires. And so we said, okay, actually owning that part of my power is not pleasurable, it's painful. So maybe push it to the side. And I feel really as an adult and I mean, going through various relationships, it's been really reclaiming the power of actually owning my desires. And then through that, I feel becoming a more well-rounded human in any aspect of life. It's a profound connection, I have to say, Tobias, um, to say, you know, from a linguistic perspective, to say passion equals suffering, but it's so absolutely true. So in order for anyone to connect to their higher passion, their higher desire, or a desire, there has to be a sacrifice of some kind. And it's either a sacrifice of us as individuals, a sacrifice of the, of the relationship, a sacrifice of a need or a want, or, or even um, the, the, the pleasure before uh, leading to the ultimate pleasure, for example, to go through that pain and pleasure. It's almost like a, a double-sided um, it's it, I don't even know how to describe it. It's, it's it, a metaphor for example, would be like a two-headed dragon where you've got the, the passion head and then the, the suffering head and both have to work together for them to be at peace Absolutely. is what, what, that, what your explanation of the topic today evoked in me. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, for me, it's sort of this, this yin-yang symbol in a way, right? Like, you know, the darkness and the light. And 
I certainly know is that I can have the light without the darkness. I, I tried it for a long time, actually, to be like, oh, no, the darkness doesn't exist. I'm, I'm, I'm a radiant being. But it's complete bullshit. It's like I basically, yeah, felt I was sort of kidding myself because I can only hold so much light if I don't want any darkness. But ultimately, what I learned more and more is that by, so to make this more, more tangible, because I've spoken the first time I was here on, on the show, actually, about my addiction to porn. And so on to really make like desire passion, okay, hands on here is like, I felt I'm, I'm a like really sexual being and through the family that I was growing up in, it, it wasn't really men. I mean, my parents, they, they just had this odd relationship where it always seemed like, okay, my dad always wanted sex, but her mother doesn't, didn't want to give it. And so basically sex was this kind of like power dynamic in a way. Mm. And so in, in a way, then when I sort of like found masturbation and things like this and noticing that I have actually these desires in me as well, but they, from my upbringing, didn't seem to be deemed something that's good or something that shall be part of my being. So I felt, okay, if I feel that sense of energy, then I need to sort of like get rid of it, which was masturbation and felt like, okay, cool. I'm actually balanced again because... <clears throat> When, when you talk about kind of the two-headed dragon, it's in a way, there's a charge, you know, there's something negative, yeah. something positive. And then suddenly, like, if this potential grows, I mean, if it grows, like, big enough, like, boom, you get lightning. You know, it's, it's this sort of, like, physics experiment. And so what I found in my life was that I was pushing away these sexual desires. And even being in relationships, I felt continuously kind of being the giver instead of being, okay, awesome. But those are the things that I want. And communicating it clearly and saying to my partners, I'm really happy to please you in all sorts of way, the ways that you want, but those are the ways that I want to be pleased and experience pleasure. And I didn't do that. And so that was really the moment when there was resentment brewing, but it was also the moment when I felt, okay, in order for these desires, because the desires, they won't go away. This is the interesting thing. It's, it's just like water. My grandpa always was saying, that water has a pointy head and it will always find a way. And so if these desires are pushed away, then it leads into all sorts of addictive patterns, which we had also spoken in one of the sessions before. So, and this is where I feel the whole concept of power really comes in. If, and only if we're owning our desires, then we are actually becoming the master of the sword of our desires because it's energy. And we can either say like, oh, I don't want to see it. And then it just finds a different way. Or we can be like, this is awesome. So how can I take this energy and actually direct it? So it's neither positive. It's neither negative. It's just about the energy force. It's just like we all have an energy force around us. And it's how we direct energy towards us or away from us that makes it, you know, enlighten us, that makes us alive, that brings us passion or diminishes us or lowers us down or dims our candlelight a bit. So it's interesting that you say that about passion as being energy. It's, it, it's a beautiful metaphor. Absolutely. And, and a way to make it tangible. It's just like money. Money is neither good nor bad. It's how we use it. So it's a means to an end. So passion is also in the same way, if I were to use the same logic, is a means to an end. But it has to be a means to an end that satisfies two people in a relationship, for example, and not just one. 
Absolutely. And I mean, this whole thing, I think with passion, it's really, I mean, it's a, it's a broad, broad thing, right? Like in society, we say, follow your passion. It doesn't mean like <laughs> go sleep with like every person you meet. It basically in that context often means like do what actually your heart calls you to do. And so I, I think that the, let's say double meaning or the, let's say versatility of passion is super, super interesting in that regard because what it actually for me in a way illuminates is that everything is basically our life force. And I mean, most fundamentally, I mean, our life force is to make babies and keep our species going. But then as more evolved beings, we can also use that life force and create art or music or businesses or awesome social causes or companies. And in, in the end, it's really how we direct it. And so there's this cool book by Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. Yeah. Where, I mean, he effectively talks about like salespeople are like highly sexual beings. They have this like sort of like magnetic touch. And I think there's something incredibly true to that. When we're living in that state of being turned on, then I mean, definitely for, for me and from a male perspective, it's while well, my risk tolerance is suddenly so much higher. How so? Yeah. Is it the same for you actually as well? Yeah, I agree 100%. But if you can elaborate a little bit more so our participants and our listeners can can understand the journey um, mentally and emotionally as well. The, the journey to from where to where would you like me to highlight? So you were talking about um, how, you know, salesmen use a technique around passion to bring in through energy bring in that energy uh, to them to attract it. So we can use that as a life force. We can use that as a way of uh, attracting what it is that we want to do. If people believe in the whole law of attraction approach, this is one of those ways that we can use it. My question to you is how have you used it and how are you recommending others to think about using it if they're not convinced? Okay, cool. Um, <clears throat> the most recent example I would say is basically after my marriage ended, I felt, I mean, basically my whole house of cards had sort of collapsed at that point and I felt still quite attached to my, my ex-partner and felt well, basically all my self-esteem was kind of gone with the breakdown of this relationship. And so what I at first did was like, okay, I first ended up working in a, in a software startup. And I mean, there in the beginning, it was just rebuilding a little bit of kind of self-belief, a little bit of, yeah. And at the time I was also going through Sex Addicts Anonymous. So I was really looking at, wow, what is porn addiction really is, this needs to stop. Cause I'm basically wasting away all my life's energy into a, but whenever I encounter an obstacle, instead of actually saying, okay, what can I do to challenge that obstacle? What can I do to actually circumnavigate it or climb over it or make it disintegrate? I feel like, okay, let me go masturbate. And then I feel better afterwards. And I mean, it was basically when, whenever there were some challenging emotional yeah, situations coming up, it was my sort of default response in the past. <clears throat> and then so I mean, going through the program and connecting with, with other men and 
being on the, on the same path and feeling, wow, I'm actually, I'm not alone in this. That was actually the, the first step where I felt I could begin to reclaim some of my life's energy and really some of my self-respect in that regard. Feeling that when this thing arises, this urge in me, I can actually, I have a better tool. I can actually speak to someone and just communicate what's going on and kind of work through that challenge rather than needing to go masturbate. And so I felt little by little, I healed that, I overcame that, and I'm, I'm having a much more grounded sense, basically like a year and a half ago. And at that time also, I felt more confident in my job. I Basically everything in my life sort of like improved. I was able to set some boundaries with the mother of my kids. <clears throat> and yeah, so instead of basically bleeding all my life's energy into that sort of like broken up relationship, I suddenly felt like, okay, I can actually sort of like maintain that more. And what it also meant was, as you just talked about money and just being another part of energy was, okay, I am going to set some boundaries of how much I'm actually going to pay in child maintenance and things like, what, what is it that I'm actually asked to pay and what is it that I was sort of expected by her? And then, so little by little, improving these these boundaries and effectively making myself capable to hold higher amounts of energy whether this means emotional disturbance whether it means financial abundance whatever it is so and then what i had realized is that oh it was actually never porn addiction what actually my real problem was was codependence so i then stepped into a fellowship there and walked basically all the 12 steps and I feel this was, this was really the, yeah, the deepest healing that, that I really needed, this understanding of, wow, I, I can be sort of an individuated human yeah. where I was, again, able to hold onto more of the energy that actually belonged to me. And yeah, so on the outside, what manifested was I was then able to talk to my boss and say, like, hey, dude, I'm actually I'm wanting to work 40 a week at the same salary which was something that he said, okay, that's cool. And yeah, then I mean, to, towards the, the end of being in a tech startup, I realized, okay, actually my soul really calls me to go to Mind Valley and be in Istanbul for this live event. And yeah, at the time I had to ask my brother to say, dude, please, can you like help me out financially a bit to actually buy plane tickets and accommodation and all these things and the ticket for the event. And so, yeah, it was really beautiful to actually practiced that asking, which I felt was, was another way of owning more of my, of my desire and being like, hey, man, this is something I really, really want. And feeling, okay, I can make it happen. And there's other people that I can ask and see if they are actually willing to support me on that. And that was a massive step for me as I, growing up, always felt I need to do everything myself. If I ask for help, I'm weak. And that's powerful. Pause there just a second. All right, go then. Yes, that's, that's very powerful. So, and this is true for not only men, but also women. When we ask for help, it's a method of being perceived as weakness. So in women, if we ask for help, oftentimes it's looked at as we need someone to save us, we're a bit helpless, or the flip side would be, it's a way to get a man in an unhealthy way to get a man to come closer, to do the work for us, to create the codependency. 
if it was done in a very manipulative way. Um, men do helplessness differently. And it's interesting that the, the asking for help automatically equates to helplessness, equates to weakness, equates to I'm not man enough. And if I'm not man enough, how are the other men going to respect me? Then the alpha male concept comes in and I have to prove to everyone that I am good enough, I am worthy enough, which only digs the hole of I need help deeper into this covered well. So there's a well, it's empty. It needs, it needs to be filled with the help, the support, the guidance, the direction, whatever it is within each man that doesn't ask for help. And what happens is men cover it up. They, you know, <laughs> nail down wooden planks or metal covers or, you know, um, you know, manhole covers to permanently seal the, the inkling of their needing to be one ounce of help. And, and that creates a hole, a void. And that mm. can lead to such a deterioration in mindset and mental health and mental well-being and physical health and emotional health. It creates an avalanche effect because it's like that pink elephant in the room or purple elephant. Imagine it's a purple elephant. Now, don't imagine there's a purple elephant. The only thing that you could think about is a purple elephant, but you know that there's no purple elephant, but everybody's, everybody you, as a man or as a woman using those techniques would automatically imagine, I know there's an emptiness. So I project the emptiness and it's the exact opposite of what I'm wanting to project. So it's self-sabotaging behavior. And it's a really unhealthy defense mechanism um it was that something similar to what you experienced by any chance and if so please elaborate oh yeah 100 i mean and i think it goes sort of like in in two ways um <clears throat> there's this one way how it expressed itself in my relationships and then there was also when i actually started like asking so i'll first cover that, that asking piece because what i noticed is you see the moment i ask is the moment i you know, give other people the chance to uh, help because i mean we, we we all like or at least for me i, I like to give because it makes me feel good and in a way and it's kind of like yeah it definitely there, there's some element where i feel like oh i must be pretty good because i can give this person something i can help this person and it, it feels actually really nice to be able to support someone but basically the moment i ask is actually kind of cool because what i'm basically looking at it now is like i give somebody else the opportunity to feel these awesome feelings and so in a way like even asking can be framed as giving Absolutely. which i think is quite a beautiful one and what I, what I, what you when you spoke about the whole you know this sort of like this void i mean that's what i felt for for most of my life feeling this this sort of like emptiness and the moment i started actually asking people and say like okay this is what i want to create and i can do it by myself i need other people to help me it was also a beautiful way to build deeper meaningful relationships because I mean, there's one way where you can just hang out with friends and be like, okay, let's just basically have a good time. But in the moment, actually people come together to build a shared vision in a company or in a project or whatever it may be. 
it's actually this thing where this is awesome. We're looking in the same direction. And, you know, you suddenly, in the moment I started creating things with other people, it really just deepened so much of the trust. And there was this real understanding of, wow, we, we are interdependent. We are interconnected, you know, like we could not do these things individually only when we come together and actually collaborate and communicate, we can create magic. And this is, I feel the same that actually happens in relationships where I feel the common principle is that whether it's a company that we're creating or whether it's a relationship we're building, be it romantic or <clears throat> a friendship, it's all, if there's no common vision, then I actually don't think it's going to last. So that was definitely the, the thing with my previous partner. We, in the beginning, we had this like shared vision of like, yeah, this is kind of what we want to create. But then somehow little by little, it sort of, you know, teetered away. And we, we stopped really communicating and having this clear shared understanding of, yes, we want to have this red wooden home somewhere in a Norwegian fjord. And we want our kids to run up and down the lawn and things like this, you know? And <clears throat> so um, when we speak about the whole in, in relationships of the yeah, romantic sort, that's where what I noticed in myself was actually I kind of wanted, wanted some mothering. And certainly there is like a neediness in me at times. And at a time previously, I felt, oh, I can't show that, you know, because when I show that, you know, I'm making myself like incredibly vulnerable. And so I feel I was afraid of, of that intimacy actually of, of, as you painted this picture of basically taking the cover and saying like, there's something that, that I'm missing and I'm, I'm not really sure what it is. And maybe we can work this out together. I'm not expecting you to pour something in, but it's just like, this is, this is there. This is me right now. This is how I am. What yeah. can you just appreciate it as it is? Not fill, exactly. <laughs> fill the void, but just, just accept me knowing that I have a void that I'm working on and that's okay. Totally. And I basically, yeah. Because I think this is beautiful. And this is what, what I am now realizing with my new partner where I'm really open about that. And I mean, also I feel I actually worked on a lot of that over the period I yeah, was single. And yeah, I, I found it really, really interesting actually today sending her voice message about it and being like, yeah, actually yesterday I felt really like, like totally unsure like what was going on like where was my life actually going you know, I had this, this moment where I was like I actually don't know what I'm doing you know I felt this is where I was going but now it seems like maybe I should go there and so it was cool to be able to share that and then actually be open to her perspective and really feeling her support and I think this is this is a really big big like change where yeah I feel totally appreciated for basically all my rawness and then you know really bringing these like emotional aspects of myself and then so this morning i sent her a message and saying hey you know it's actually really really cool that yeah i have these moments of neediness and those are the moments when i just need you to cuddle me and allow me to put my head in your lap and tell me that the world is okay and that you actually really admire my courage in so many other areas of life and yeah, it's actually really cool to be able to say that. And then feeling, feeling held. Because I feel this was a big one for me to feel that I can't ask to be held. 
But there's moments when I just want to be held. It's like, okay, I just need somebody to hold the space for me to <laughs> like have a little like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. And then and, you go ahead. And no, I was just going to say, what does hold the space mean to you? Because that's a really coachy technical term. What does it that's mean a, to you? I mean, for, for me, it's just <laughs> basically when we came back from um, our trip, I, I was really frustrated. I, I and so I was just, we were walking from her house to my house and I was just being really pissed off with the world and just communicating that. And it was interesting that she was just there and was like, okay, cool, yeah, <laughs> I hear you. But, but she didn't take on my feelings, you know, exactly. like- Exactly, that's what being held is all about. It's about holding the space for someone to be pissed off, to be angry, to be vicious, not abusive verbally or emotionally, I have to be clear, physically, but um, expressing themselves. It's about the expression, the raw expression without hurting the other person, without directing it at the other person and just allowing them to feel, to feel human and then not take it on. So there's almost like that power that she had around your passion for being upset, peeved, <laughs> frustrated, <laughs> And she said, here it is, I'm hearing you and it's yours and I'm not allowing it to infiltrate my power, my passion for life, but I want you to know that you're here and held. And see, this and that's is- what's beautiful about it. <laughs> exactly, and it was so beautiful because when I was basically experiencing this like temper tantrum, if you want, um, she was just there and at some point, I was like really irritated, like, you know, <laughs> are you not sort of like pampering me in a way? But then I was also really clear of like, hey, this is actually like my shit, you know, it has nothing to do with you. It's just sort of like, yeah, after, after the car crash, I was like really calm and really zen. And I felt like, okay, cool. I, this is happening for me, you know, like these ladies drove into the back of our car. I don't really know like why, but maybe it's just for me to practice right now to actually be calm and not get angry at them or anything because I mean it, it's happened already anyway you know so let's share some chocolate and become friends then when I came back to Edinburgh there was this this irritation of like man you know now we need to like do all this like insurance crap and basically pour more time into something that actually <laughs> didn't deliver like the result that was initially sort of expected and it was kind of this like holding on to some desire to go to Burnaray rather than just accepting okay we're not going and so yeah she just being there and being like okay cool yeah I hear you're you're angry and I hear you're like annoyed and it was so cool because the cool thing was that as a kid I could not do that like my parents or grandparents they just it was immediately like oh what are boys don't cry or come on like until you get married it will be healed again and so just basically experiencing these emotions that were like labeled negative was something that I just couldn't do, you know? And so actually her just being there and being like, okay, Tobes, yeah, that's cool. It's actually not, not my problem, but I'll happily listen to <laughs> what you're experiencing. And at first I felt like, dude, woman, like, I, uh, this is not what I expected. But then immediately I felt like, this is actually really cool. You know, she's not taking my shit, you know, <laughs> she's just here. And it's really up to me to just let it rise up 
and notice that it will dissipate. And I think this was powerful because that was again, one of these moments where it's really about claiming a life force, you know, cause like, I mean, passion, you know, I also taking it on to the bedroom, you know, I mean, you can have like vanilla sex or you can get like incredibly like physical. And basically I think what's interesting there is that the line between pain and pleasure continuously shifts. Absolutely. Where something would be painful if like the arousal is really, really small, it will be incredibly pleasurable if, if two people you have built up the arousal to the point of this is, this is cool. I want more of that. And that comes from speaking, verbalizing, and communicating what it is that we want. And if we don't know what we want, or in your terms, desire, um, and, and have a passion for, then how can we ask for what it is that we want and expect others to deliver it? We can't. So what happens is a disconnect. So one person expects something, they have a passion for it, they don't articulate it, and then it becomes an obligation. This is where the codependency comes in, an obligation for the other person. How do you know not, how do you not know to, to give me this need? This has always been my need. Where, where is my need in your, in your list of things that I need and want and desire? But if, if we, as human beings or men specifically, being that that's the audience, aren't comfortable enough to identify for themselves, so self-explore and self-identify what it is their needs are, what their passions are, what their desires are, then how can they ask for what it is that they don't know they want or they're absolutely clear on what they want and most men usually are but are are missing that that one small bit of communicating their passion to their partner be it pro professional or personal um, and that makes a world of a difference exactly like you were saying so the the maturity is amazing because when we when we're vulnerable it increases our level of expression of emotion. It welcomes um, the flow. If we're going to look at emotions as energy, it welcomes the flow of emotions to, to, to move through us and not stick within us or get stuck within, within us. And when it flows, then as what you call the temper tantrum, um, it can, can continue um, to dissipate. And it doesn't become this volcanic eruption. It just becomes this flow of a breeze or sometimes a gale wind with some people, it's okay. The point is, is you're letting it flow so that the struggle, as you said, the definition of passion, um, uh, you know, initiates from, from struggle, the struggle can lead to the passion, can lead to the outcome that is so desired. Absolutely. And Agreed? I mean, I think that's where I mean, when, when you look at sort of like the feminine and the masculine, which is just, just like polarities again. And, it, and yeah. I feel this is where really like passion in the sort of like intimate sense where it's, it's really about, I feel for me, sacred sexuality and, you know, seeing intimacy really as <clears throat> yeah, deepening and deepening the understanding of, of myself, but then also really, I feel as humans, for me, I, I can actually, it's something that I didn't want to like, sort of recognized for the longest time that I actually I need others and I need to be able to show up imperfectly in front of others because mm -hmm. only through that busy figuring out myself I mean it's kind of like going to dancing lessons where 
it's like wow you know i, I don't know how to do it but in order I to actually learn it I, yeah <laughs> but in order to learn it i actually need to like show that i don't know what to do yeah right with somebody else who's actually like physically even like really really close and so um, then when i actually look at this in, in this in the scope of life is there's hardly anything that i felt i could really sort of get better at by myself and so actually emotional expression or the like really owning of emotions i can actually only really do with with other people or it's, it's more more effective because they trigger emotions and so when i then feel sort of like the, the most kind of like primal of all of it is really like sexual intimacy and i mean this was for me a big one that i i, I wanted but equally felt sort of like ashamed about and so. coming back to basically where i grew up you know where it felt that I, I shall not have these desires, you know? <clears throat> and then so... So when, there's shame or guilt around them, in other words. Exactly, yeah, because there was basically sort of like my mother-father dynamic in a way of, hmm, my mom holds all the sexual power, my dad always wants it, and so it's kind of like, it, it's a currency, you know? Rather than a shared experience. And I felt that was a big distinction for me to, to see that, yeah, I mean, sexuality is it's really, it's, it's only fun if like two people kind of like explore it together. So it, it's becoming this, this path, this exploration, this adventure, rather than that sort of transactional, okay, I want something, you want something, okay, how can we kind of like make it work? Yeah. But it's more like, okay, let's sort of like see it. And I mean, for me, it's, it's now really that quest of kind of tapping into deeper energies and actually allowing myself to feel pleasure which is this again, this like passion thing where it's again, a state of receivership, you know, instead of feeling, oh, I'm always the one who needs to give, which I think maybe many men, certainly for me, I felt there's this, this pressure to perform, you know? Yeah. And especially looking at a lot of porn when I was younger, you know, there, there seems to be this like very fixed kind of roles, like how sex is done. But in the end, it's just like, dude, like my own roles, you know, like basically like what, whatever is enjoyable for, and that's that's so fun right now where we're just communicating a lot what what is it that you want what is it that i want and how can we kind of make these things work so actually when we came back from our trip i was surprised with some things that i had said in the past and suddenly my partner brought these things and i was like, no no what you know i was always talking that i wanted to explore these aspects of sexuality and now it's like oh now we have all these toys so what do i do with it and suddenly i felt kind of this anxiety of okay, I talked about it, but now actually making the reality is like a whole different thing. And was again, one of these levels, you know, we had kind of like reached, let's say a certain bottom of, um, of depth. And now it's like, whoa, actually going deeper again, which, which brings again, this like the fear, this vulnerability. The yeah, exactly. Vulnerability. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know what's coming up, you know, like I am an eagerly, I don't know what's coming up for her. And so it's, then also this thing like am i now like a perverted <laughs> man because i expressed these desires and suddenly I'm, I'm in the position where it actually it's not on screen but it's like suddenly in reality and it's, it's a complete different experience where it's like wow i'm actually now the participant and not just the observer which is, is so interesting to yeah and i think it's so sacred for me in a way because it's, it's again like stripping away more of these layers and really trusting another human with something that's really, really 
massively yeah. personal. Yeah. But only through that, I feel it's actually helping me to to trust humanity in in, in like the, the bigger scheme because I see like wow, actually, when I say what I want, I actually get what I want, and which is which is actually really cool to basically you know keep a bit of a tally on okay those are all the things i say i want and boom 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 it kind of happens it's kind of like goal setting in yeah. a way just write it down and then see it manifest because i am priming my environment and myself to actually see in my environment these things that, that i i want and I basically it's again this passion desire thing where it's channeling the primal force in a way of yeah, channel it into sex, but also channel it into creative projects. And just, I think this is this is where sort of consciousness is cool, because it's like okay, if my one of my friends is saying, um, actually, I forgot, but he's saying something about basically, ah, exactly. I think he's talking about being turned on as kind of like a state of life. Mm-hmm. And so he, and this is where I think really having long term relationships that are continuously evolving are really really interesting and something that I find quite quite fascinating you know where it's really this, this in the, being in that space of like being like sexually turned on but not always actually turning it into the expression of sexuality but turning it into all right I am going to have an awesome business deal or I am going to create this amazing dance project or whatever it may be and really using that energy into kind of like funneling it and I think this is where like passion is, is, is so multifaceted, you know, yeah. have it in the bedroom, have it in the office. And it's, it's the same energy, but it comes out in completely different ways in terms of like its manifestation. So you bring up a really important point there. Um, there are many layers to passion. So one of those layers we've already discussed is sexual passion or intimate passion. Um, with another human being. And then you've also talked about like the intellectual passion of building a business and in inspiring ideas or co-creating or even creating on your own concepts, projects, programs. Um, There's the emotional passion where you're passionate about something and you express the emotion of it and become vulnerable in the process of the expression of that emotion and allow others to see that rawness, as you were saying. And then the last form of passion is experiential passion. So it's the experience of going through the journey. It's not necessarily the outcome, but it's the, 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 it's the running of the marathon or it's the preparing for the running of the marathon that becomes the passion building, like you were saying, how to stay turned on in the process to create the flow of energy, being that passion is energy, and and allowing that to inspire whatever it inspires within you and grows you as an individual and I as an individual and each and every one of us so that we're maturing as we experience the passion. And and it's almost like a, a, it's like a curve um, that continues to go up and up and up. The more we invest, the more we experience, the more we learn, the more we mature and it keeps going. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, to me, honestly, passion is sort of the ultimate driving force. And I, because actually I did some studies in renewable energy. Yeah. And funny enough, you know, I mean, at the time I studied solar panels and wind turbines and stuff. And now 
I feel I've taken it sort of like from external energy to internal energy. And I feel passion is to me, this renewable energy that is continuously replenishing because it feels the more I, I open up and the more I'm owning my wants and my desires, the more I'm courageously communicating it, the more you know, I get the things I want or I have the experiences I, I, I want to have. And it feels like, this is awesome. This works. And there's something really cool. I mean, this is the, sort of the, the ultimate dopamine cycle, you know, where yeah. it's like determine what it is that I want and then use that energy to drive towards that. And then boom, like when it happens, it's like, this feels good. And it's just hardwires like, this is awesome. Do it again and see the next thing that you want. And then basically... <clears throat> And I think that's it's the, the important or the interesting thing for me is that I felt I always knew what I wanted, but I was too afraid to actually say what I want because I felt, wow, this is not happening. And then I feel rejected and I can't deal with that emotional pain. And now what I then needed to do is basically put some of my energy into basically kind of like if this energy moves this way, then I need to like, press against it you know and, and i'm so <laughs> i'm basically losing double you know I'm, I'm, I'm losing the momentum forward and i need to like invest the momentum backwards to actually keep it stagnant it's so, like surfing it, it, you've just reminded me of like surfing when you're going with a wave it's you going with the momentum you're building the pressure with the pressure of the water and you're you're like on top of the world and you're having and fun. You're having fun. But then <laughs> yeah. the, the true struggle is when you're going against the grain. You're not going with the wave. You're falling into the wave constantly. And 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 that translates in, in our world to mean you're going against your natural desire. You're going against your natural wants or what you've identified as your wants and your needs and your desires by not articulating them, as you were saying, which is constantly hitting a brick wall. And that creates more suffering. So tell us a little bit more about how our, our listeners and our viewers can work through the struggle to really appreciate the passion at the end. I mean, I think to be honest, it depends kind of like on what sort of like thing you're struggling for. What, what I noticed <clears throat> for myself is that the moment I know why I'm struggling for something, the struggle is already worth it. And so the big thing that I have, I mean, I have it here on my wall is my keystone goal, you know, becoming and basically living a life of deep connection and inspiring others to do the same. And so I, it's basically in my environment continues to sort of reminding me, okay, this is, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I mean, there's definitely days like yesterday when I feel like, dude, what, what am I creating? I have like <laughs> no clue what I'm doing. And it feels really that there is that, 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 that struggle, that uphill sort of thing. And I feel then for me, it's really important to have people around me that, that support me. Um, one being my partner. And I feel there again, it's, it's, it's reciprocity. You know, I'm, I'm there for her when she goes through something and she's there for me. And so in that regard, <clears throat> I feel really going through the suffering. It, it's actually a, a deepening experience where if I share my suffering and she can share hers, then together, you know, we, we build trust in a way because we 
give each other that understanding of like, wow, I actually, I can show this vulnerability. And I feel there's something very like relaxing and relieving yeah. in that. And that in itself, it, it builds passion again, you know, like the, these moments when like either of us have like shared something that's like deeply vulnerable, then the, the moment after it feels like, wow, I'm actually I'm feeling so much more connected to you. And I mean, through even just that connection, it can again turn into like sexual passion or it can just turn into that, that passion of I want to spend more time with this, this human. And I would say the same actually happens in like some of the mastermind groups that I'm part of or that I'm also running myself where like through that vulnerability where, where people can say, those are actually the things that I want to create, but I don't know how to do it. Or I can't really talk to the people in my everyday because <clears throat> for the fear of being rejected or for the fear of basically breaking the mold of who they know who I am and then kind of risking their social connection in a way. Because I feel that it's definitely for, for me been a big one where I felt, well, I can't leave that relationship because if I leave that, then who am I? You know, I, I basically in my past relationship, I, I mean, we, we, <laughs> we both, we had cut all our ties to the external world effectively and felt like, okay, you and I and our two kiddos against the world, but it, it just didn't work because yeah, we were so, well, I definitely for myself, I felt so defined by her in a way. So that basically the moment she said like, it's not gonna work, man. I really felt I lost my identity in, in many ways because the counterpart that basically gave me this identity disappeared. And I feel what I learned from that is really to, uh, yeah, have a diversified social network in a way. Which, which again, I feel it, it cultivates deeper passion. Because I mean, there's some people I like to go running with. There's some people who I like to talk about digital marketing with. There are some people I really <clears throat> enjoy going into, okay, what are actually the dimensions between like masculine and feminine energy? There are some people who I like to work out with. And so in, in the end, they all nurture different aspects of my personality. And by that giving me the yeah, this real full self-expression. And I think this is what it really comes down to when, when we talk about passion. It's yeah, follow your passion. It's like follow what it is that is inside you that you want to bring into the world in a way. And with that said, I mean, that's a beautiful bit of advice there for our participants and our listeners. Um, any parting thoughts to wrap up that well-spoken and well-summarized, um, you know, piece of gem there. I mean, it's about knowing what it is that we want and having the courage to ask for it, to really relish in the passion that we're committing to struggle and reap the rewards of at the end. That's exactly the thing. And I, I mean, <clears throat> I would maybe say, like three, three things. One is this allowing the passion to awaken and allowing this energy to be there and allowing that it's a bit of a feeling of discomfort at times when there's so much energy in a way. It's like, okay, how do I contain it? And then I feel the, the beautiful aspect is like have that energy and learn how to, how to funnel it. It's, it's basically having, having this mighty sword and kind of like learning how to, you 
you know, like do cool things with it. So it's, it's basically just a tool. It's a, it's a potential to do something with it. And then, I mean, what you do with it is, is really up to you, whether you go have sex or whether you go create an awesome project or actually use it to connect more deeply to others by sharing what you're feeling. Then the other thing is really bringing these desires and these wants into conscious awareness. It's the moment they are pushed away, they turn into a, yeah, these addictive compulsive pattern because desires want to be expressed and wants want to be met. And if you're not doing it consciously, then you'll find, well, not you, but your subconscious, we will find a way to, to do it, which in the end is going to destroy actually the connections that you're trying to preserve. And so on. Last thing is really what you said, Reham, like passion and suffering are effectively the same thing. So what is the thing that you want to do so much that you want to take some, some suffering and actually really enjoy the suffering? Because what it means is that it's kind of this trial of fire. It's burning away all the things that are not really you and leaving ultimately just the most rawest, most honest version. It's kind of feel revealing who we once were when we were kids before we got basically boxed in. So that, that, that is my thing, certainly. Absolutely. I, I mean, thank you for another wonderful topic, uh, Tobias, and getting deep into the heart of what passion's all about and about reclaiming our power to passion as being the most important thing. So knowing what it is that we want and, and letting our emotions flow so that we can then ask for what it is that we want at the end of that emotional ride, regardless of what uncomfortable feelings we may be having um, or elation or anything in between, the most important thing is to know that our emotions are there to guide us and to remind us that we're human. It's okay to be afraid. It's okay to feel vulnerable. It's okay to feel out of sorts or uncomfortable, but out of uncomfortableness comes growth and maturity. And with that, thank you again. Thanks so much. Um, join us on our next episode of the Genuine Men's Chat Show podcast and Zoom Live. Share, like, and follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. And join the Genuine Men's Chat Facebook group to join other men in the discussion on this topic and many more. Our motto, remember, in 2020 is many men, many conversations. Have you taken your seat at the table yet? See you next time.